This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast. I'm excited to be joined by Terrence uh, Williams, also known as Munch. He's the uh, coach for the PSA Cardinals, a great AAU program, also where uh, Eve Missy played. And so we're going to ask him about Eve, but also just uh, – He's, he's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of uh, wisdom from uh, being in the uh, grassroots scene, uh, scene for a lot of years. Uh, so, first of all, much thank you for doing this and uh, appreciate you being on the podcast here. Well, thank you for having me, man. I'm extremely, extremely excited, man. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Man, the Bears. Let's go. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, uh, I want to hear about the, you know, just your experience in general. Um, I, I got a copy of your book, uh, RPSA, bought it on Amazon and, and really enjoyed it. It was great. I, I should have uh, brushed up on it before I called you, but I just remember that, you know, lots of practical advice from your days of coaching and, and mentoring, uh, you know, youth over the years. Uh, you know, how's that gone? I, I just looked at the Amazon. It's got like 53 reviews. They're all five stars, you know, so it's obviously yeah. gotten a lot of great reception. Um, just, you know, maybe give us a, a brief summary of why you wrote the book and, and what you're trying to, uh, the audience that you're trying to reach with it. Yeah, I mean, the book has been successful from a, a book sales perspective in, in the world of, of, you know, bestsellers and Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and all of these places that, that books normally you know, matriculate and, and, and sell. So, it, like you said, it's been it's, it's five-star read, according to Amazon. Um, currently, we're probably up to about 6,000 copies sold um, since October, which is, a I think, for a self-published book, some people like to say is a big number That's of sales. That's a big number, um, yeah. Yep. It, I've, been, I've been fortunate of the support I've had throughout the country, to be honest with you. Like, people have supported from everywhere. Um, and, and we've been able to get the book in people's hands that I don't know I think one of the reasons why I, run, I wanted to write the book, it just is it's therapeutic. It was therapeutic for myself um, at a time when COVID was around. Yeah. And I feel like everyone was trying to figure out how to cope through COVID and figure out what to do with their time. And for me, it was it was a thing that I could always have a time stamp. And it was for, from a from a grassroots perspective, it was the first time that I didn't have to coach, right? From yeah. an AAU stance, we, it was the 2021 class. We had 12 guys you know, um, commit to school and we didn't have to play AAU that summer, mm. that spring summer. So it was some, some level of God having me have some type of time to do something that was uh, in a sense a bucket list thing for myself. But it was, like I said, it was therapeutic where I could get up and I'm normally a guy who writes in my journal on a daily basis. Yeah. And the journal honestly turned into, into the book organically. So like when you see the structure of the book, what makes it unique is each, each entry has a multiple choice element and it has like a storyline that happened from myself and from those that are close to me of my friends and somebody that I know inside that storyline. But then it puts you in the space of the storyline and it asks you, what would you do in that moment? Yeah. Right. And I think because it was through the journal entry, it's, it's a hundred short reads of like two page reads where you're able to jump around the book and not feel you know, in a sense, shackled to have to read entry one to entry two to entry three. And as you go through the book, you'll see there's no page numbers because I want people, especially young um, African-American males, to be able to read the book and not feel stressed about having to read chapter one <laughs> to understand what's going on in chapter two. Right. So you could jump around and find these different entries and it takes you through the journey of like young, young Terrence Williams, you know, young teenage all the way to adulthood. So you'll have topics like you know, stepping on my J's and what would that, what happens in that, in that scenario when your mom worked a ton of hours to get you these Jordans for you to feel comfortable in the first day of school 
someone steps on your Jordans and now you're faced with the dilemma of, you know, for this ad, for this adverse situation, right. what do you do in that moment? Yep. So I'm trying to take everyone in these different journeys and these different adversities to just get them to pause and make conscious decisions before they make their, their decision, right? Like think it through and understand that you have these four or five options. And even if you think further, you have six or seven options before you go to what's natural. Like my background and my upbringing, the natural answer to everything that occurred when I was younger was violence, right? right? And and whenever something happened, if you're if you're labeled the angry black man, it would be violence. If somebody bumped you on the subway, it would be violence. Right. If, if you know someone looked at your your female counterpart in a different way and made you uncomfortable, it would be violence. So now I'm going to teach the teach the generation of of men that we don't we answer the answer is not always violence, right? There's a ton of different styles and plays that we can utilize to get out of certain situations and learn from them. And then the book allows you to do small group group readings um, because of the multiple choice element. And it, it lends itself to conversation. It's a huge conversation starter. Yeah, right? So yeah. now you're able to ping pong your, your upbringing and your life walk into having a conversation with someone else's life walk. Because once you decide on what your decision in that moment would be, it's the answer is coming from your life experiences, right? So now you could get cross-gender and cross-racial um, people having these dialogues of why did you come up with this answer? And they will learn from each other. So I think the book is, is unique. It's, it's one of one. Um, it's, it's, it's a style that's never been done before from what I see. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's, it's been successful and it's been, you know, it's been taken in the right way, especially for my community, my friends, my family. And then it, it's expanded all the way out, like I said, across the country. Man, there, there's so much wisdom in what you said. I'm a big reader and, you know, I, I like to listen to podcasts more and more because, you know, it's, I mean, you know, our, the attention spans are getting shorter and, and I will definitely exactly. gravitate towards books that have like six to eight pages per chapter. Yep. I mean, yep. put the cookies on the low shelf as, as we like to say, you know, and, and I love yeah. that about your book. It was, it was so easy just to you know, read three or four chapters and then, you know, yeah. and you know, so, so I want to hear about your journaling habits. Um, like, is yeah. it, like, do you do it in the morning? Do you do it at night? I mean, that's a cool exercise um, that you, yeah, uh, I, t I tend, I tend to do it in the mornings. I use it as like another, like kind of like a coping mechanism or meditation right. and prayer. And, you know, it's just some, some form of fashion for me to get out, get out my thoughts. Right. And if you look at a lot of, african-american males when we're younger we're taught not to not go see therapists right, right? and not not share the, these these internal you know traumas that you go through coming up in the, in the world that we live in so you're you're trying you're constantly trying to find different ways to to get this energy out right in a positive in a positive manner right so i've always been like somewhat of a writer like my dad was was a writer and, and, a, and a social social worker so i think naturally i started to just write things down and and feel comfortable sharing my thoughts on paper versus going to see a therapist right and yeah in the world that we're living in things are coming at you fast and you got to be quick on your feet to be thinking everything through so sometimes just writing things down consistently just to get those thoughts out it's like almost talking to myself yeah um and whether it's present um past and and what do you see coming in the future so i kind of like yeah i try to take some time whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes on a daily basis to to, to do some writing and just what's going on in my life or you know, just different topics that you go through. And that's how kind of, honestly, that's how the book came about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I love that. That's awesome. So, so, uh, your background, I think I read that you, uh, grew up in New Hampshire. Is that right? 
No, I went. I went to uh, boarding school in New Hampshire. Oh, you went to boarding so, school. You were, were, yeah. were you New York City guy originally? I'm definitely New York City. Okay. Bronx, born and raised. Big Yankee fan. Gotcha. Um, you know, I graduated from Taft High School and then I matriculated to Holden in School, um, over in Plymouth, New Hampshire, for um for, for prep school. And then I went to uh, Wesleyan University in in Connecticut. Shout okay. out to Wesleyan University. Just yep. made a major move today. Um. And then got a got a master's from University of Pace, Pace University, yep. um, in early childhood education, and then um, got another master's from University of Phoenix in building leadership. So oh, it's like cool. being able to be a principal or being a student, stuff like that. So been been doing a lot of stuff in education. I taught for you know upwards of six to seven years, first grade. Then I did the dean of students, assistant principal. So I did a lot of things in education, and then you know, like I said, ran ran after school program. Was uh you know now I'm running a non for profit called you know Pro Scholars Athletics. Yeah, yeah. So so how did you transition into uh, AU basketball and and uh, like how how did how did you build PSA? Yeah, I mean we we at the end of the day when I came back came back came back to New York from from undergrad I was going to grad school I was teaching doing Teach for America and then I went back to my um it's called Scan it's like your local boys and girls club right. where I grew up at I went back there. And I was doing some after school stuff with them. And then it just turned into like, hey, I'm coaching these guys that are like in sixth grade. And then the sixth grade kids, the deal with, for them was, hey, if you come in every day and do all of the activities for after school, I'll train you guys at like 6 p.m. And we kind of like had everything going after school wise and then started training them. And then, you know, we just made it into a team. They're always the same age. And then from there, we started placing those guys at like junior boarding schools across the country, like Fezzedin and Rectory and Faye School. And, um, you know, then they was able to matriculate to secondary schools like Blair and, and, and Northfield Herman and all these big time, you know, academic places. Because my background was, was more so the boarding school lifestyle at that point. Right? right. And I was just trying to get kids out out of the neighborhood and into better educational situations and just using basketball um, to do that. Because it wasn't like five star talent. And then, you know, as we kept moving forward, they were successful. We would, we would play local. Seventh grade, we'll do like a little regional. Eighth grade, we would do a little more traveling down to like Florida. Um, and then ninth grade, we, we were doing really well. And then Nike came and found us and was like, hey, um, we want to we wanna sponsor you guys. So we've been with Nike for about 10 years now. Um, extremely fortunate enough to be with those guys. And, you know, we, we kind of grown the program up into like 100 and some uh, Division One players and 11 NBA pros. So it's, it's been it's been a lot of fruits of my labor. Yeah, know? no, that's that's a great track record. No doubt about it. Um, I, let's talk about Eve a little bit. I know you, he was under your, yeah, (laughs) tutelage and and man, I went and watched practice and, uh, uh, a lot better than I expected. I mean, he is, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, he came as a very highly touted guy, but, uh, he, you know, the way he runs the court, just, just his, you know, basketball IQ, his, his, uh, ability, you know, to affect shots and, and athleticism i mean he's got the full package from intelligence to athleticism he's he has everything you want in a modern day big uh you know tell us about him you know just what's he like off the field and and uh give baylor fans kind of a preview of what to expect yeah i mean first and foremost he wants to win he craves to win it's a high desire of his i think every time he gets on the court he's not he's not necessarily stat chasing versus you know, he wants that one category. Like, I want my team to win. So right. he he has a, a big desire to do that. I think that and that allows him to to be unselfish and block shots and run the floor hard and set hard screens and roll and pick and pops. Like he's a real versatile guy, right? Like he's he's six eleven, but he's mobile and 
He can switch one through five. He can switch on ball screens. Um, he's learned he's learned that in the last few years how important that is and techniques to doing so and what it can look like at the next level. Um, and then he's always been a kid who who understands being a double double is important, right? Like you're gonna get your points, you gotta get your rebounds, um, and and ultimately got to anchor the defense. So you're gonna get a vocal guy on in the, in the back of your defense. You're gonna get a guy who, who who wants to share the ball. So he'll pass out of double teams and. You know, ultimately has the ability to shoot it, ability to put it down and get to the rim on, on minimum dribbles. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't need a bunch of dribbles to get from, you know, the three point line to the rim. Right. So I think his 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 physical offensive talent is gonna shock people because obviously he's long, he has a big time wingspan, so he's gonna play above the rim. He's worked on his aggressiveness to finish at the rim with dunks um versus layups. Um and I, I just think he's a real versatile offensive weapon. But then he also does some stuff on that defensive end that is like it's going to be he's going to be ready for the NBA if he ever gets there because it's all about switching on guards right. and he can do that and he's comfortable doing that yep. right so he's learned that since he's been in the states and you know we're fortunate enough to have him be alumni of ours and a part of our program for life and off the court he's just a laughable real mature kid and you know he wants to wants to do the right thing consistently and he educationally wise um, he, he, he challenges himself and right. he takes it serious and he's not, he's not just going through the motions because he's a big time, um, you know, basketball player. He, he wants to be a straight A student right. to the best of his abilities. And, and he wants to take real courses and study for those courses. And, and there, there was many a times where AAU was coming around and he was like, Hey coach Munch, like, you know, can I, can I skip practice to study for an exam and stuff like that? So I, I, I love that. Right. The yeah. scholar part of, of him and, him not getting caught up in just the basketball front. So yeah. he has a lot of different um different likes in, in in the world and and things that he likes to do and you can catch him canoeing, you can catch him kayaking, you can catch him, <laughs> you know, playing playing miniature golf and swimming and doing things outside of just basketball, but he he you know obviously in the last few years he put on a ton of weight where you can see him taking the weight room serious and being able to play through contact. I think that was one of the things that in the last few years playing with a higher motor yep. um, consistently and, and then playing through contact was one of the, a couple of the focuses that we had with him um, in the last few years. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the EYBL, it, it doesn't get any better from a competition standpoint, but uh, do you, do you notice that? Like, it seems like, you know, I, I mean, he played hard and he played with a high motor the day I saw him, but uh, Typically, big guys come with maybe a little lesser of a motor than the than the guards and the wings, you know, just because they're so used to dominating at, at the level that they're at. And then and then when they get to college, you know, they got equals and they got guys that they have to really work hard to to be better than. You know, um, I mean, is that is that typical in your in your experience that you know bigger guys sometimes yeah, I mean, the motor comes around. I mean, I think it's it's, it's 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 honestly about the coaching staff to me because they they're gonna do whatever you hold them hold him accountable right, for, right? right? And I think with Yves, I'm pretty much a hard coach because I've had so many bigs that made it, right? Like a Mo Bamba, yep. Thomas Bryan, Amari Spellman, um, Shaq Diallo. So, like, you know, the list goes on of, of, of Chris McCullers. Like, the bigs that we've had in the program right. have been guys that some of them are gazelles where they could get up and down, right? Yep. Shaq Diallo probably had the best motor of anybody in the 2015 class. And, you know, Chris was able to get up and down and Mo's fluid. So, I compare him to those guys where I know we gotta continue to to make that a point of emphasis with hey man the rim the ball come off the rim you snatch it you outlet it or you push it you push out dribble and yep. then you run with the guards yep. or, or it's gonna have, like we're not gonna play that slow where you know we gotta walk it up for you so 
if you want to get those those filler lane dunks and you want to get those trail threes, you're gonna have to keep up. And I think he has that has that in him. Yep. So it was really just a, a coaching matter, to be honest with you. Like it's in him. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, yo, if you don't do this, then you're not gonna play. Right. Right. And I'm sure Baylor's gonna get the same same thing of him. And honestly, even more. Right. It's a higher level. It's um everything is quicker, faster, more aggressive. So he's gonna meet meet that that challenge. Because if you don't, you just don't play. Right. Well, I was talking to Baylor's uh, point guard, interviewed him, Ray J. Dennis, and, and uh, yep. he was like, man, I haven't had these kind of toys to play with, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, you know, to throw alley-oops to. And, you know, just, uh, yep. you know, he and Josh and, and Jonathan, obviously, uh, some, some, some really bouncy guys on the front court. Uh, well, that so t- tell me about the summer. Like, you know, what's it like? I mean, you're in July. Um Man, I, I, it's, I'm, it's I'm a, a grind, right? I'm, I mean, I'm a director, man. So it don't it it doesn't stop for me. Okay. Like I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with like obviously the book sales and right. I'm doing workshops and I'm doing guest speaking appearances and you know we kind of coming around the circle of you know in the next you know uh, month and a half a, a, a whole calendar year in which the book been out. So being I've been presented with a lot of opportunities to be able to to utilize the book with with, with high schools and. And, and and prep schools and, and colleges and just being able to get in front of people and you know I'm I'm at that space now where you know whenever you see me if I'm on the road coaching the book is getting in the hands of of those I think are, are people that should read it so yeah. it's been it's been that's been kind of like one of my focuses and then from a director standpoint having a three teams that make Peach Jam and you know having an eighth grade team that's that's pretty good and young talent you know you're dealing with guys getting signed up for camps you're dealing with Guys getting uh, you know, taking their official visits. You're dealing right. with guys, you know, committing. We got like three or four guys already committed in the 24 class. Right. Um, you're dealing, <laughs> you're dealing with, you know, the recruitment of younger guys. You're dealing with the elite camps that are coming up from, you know, CP3 and yep. Nike Skills and Elite Elite 24 and all these camps. So you're dealing with that. Um, so it's an everyday. You know, it's a lot of guys that have a lot of things going on. Sure. Like I was just in DC. And I was able to have dinner with Ishmael Matsu because he's down in Georgetown. So, like, being able to, to tap in with the alumni is big, right, um, for us as a program and, and making sure that those guys are staying on track and some guys that were in the portal trying to help them figure out their next step. So, right. listen, I, I have literally no free minutes in the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, the competition of, of EYBL is over. I mean, we had two teams make it to the Elite, the elite Eight, yep. um, the 15U and the 17U. And the 16 you they battled and had a hard pool and did some good things down there and got a good core group of guys coming back next year. So to have three teams qualify for Peach Jam is huge. Um, but then more importantly, to just get – I think we got 11 guys in our 23 class, you know, qualify for D1 and, and go to schools. Wow, so yeah. that's big to see those guys starting to be on campuses now and it's June of their freshman year. We're just trying to get guys in school, man. Like that's that's our why. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. our why. So yeah. we're busy around here. Oh yeah. No, I love it, man. That's great. Well, I appreciate you giving me 20 minutes. Uh, this was a really insightful and thank you for the comments on Eve. We're, we're all, you know, looking forward to watching him. It's my God. It's yep. my guy. Tell him when I see him, you better be reading that book. <laughs> I will do that. Stay on him. Stay on him. I will Stay do that. Him. Hey, you've been listening right. to a Sikkim 365 interview with Ashley Hodge and uh, Terrence Munch-Williams. Sikkim Bears.